Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from the suburbs of New York City in an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney. The road to Qatar began tonight. What's up, brother? Hey, man. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Um, we're here tonight, of course, to talk about the uh, what we just saw, the U.S. nil-nil against El Salvador. Um, should we just get right to it? I mean, I have initial thoughts. <laughs> Let, let's, uh, let's dive right in. Um, but I, I'm, I'm glad to see you are in the, the basement of, of your home and you're able to record after what was some pretty, pretty terrible weather last night across the northeastern area. Yeah. And our area in particular, it seems. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm yeah, I'm recording my end of this from from my basement, which 24 hours ago had a couple inches of water in it. And I'm sure many of our many people listening know how that feels. And it's it's that feeling of when you go downstairs and like take that you're kind of not ready for it. You sort of take that first step. Oh, boy. And then it's like squish. And you're just it's funny. I was actually um I was doing our the you know the fantasy soccer league that you used to be in. Yes, we, we were we were drafting last night. We waited for the transfer window to end, and then so we started kind of three weeks late. So we were doing our draft last night. I had the second pick, and it's a snake order draft. So I forget what round we were in. It's getting kind of late, um, and, and I made my pick. And in a snake order draft, when you pick second, you got a while to wait for your next pick. So I was periodically checking the basement because the rain last night was unbelievable and in some cases actually for this area unprecedented and so i just you know figured let me just keep checking every once in a while just to make sure everything's good and so it was probably i don't know around like 11 i made my pick figured okay i got about 15 minutes let me just go downstairs and whoa just like that it happened so fast like my wife and i had been checking a lot throughout the course of the night and like in the span of an hour, it just went from nothing to filled with water. <laughs> it's like, this is crazy. Um, so, yeah, just uh, I hope everyone's OK. This storm was dangerous. Tornadoes, unprecedented rainfall and flooding uh, in the Northeast. So, you know, obviously there will be people listening in certain parts of the country, Louisiana, uh, parts of Florida that will yeah. say, yeah, welcome to welcome to our reality. Um, and yeah, I suppose there's there's truth in that, but here in the Northeast, it's just not, I don't know, it's not necessarily something we're used to. I was listening to um, Lee Goldberg, a weatherman here at ABC in New York. He was saying that in some parts of, of the region, JJ, they were getting between five to 10 inches in an hour of, of rainfall. You he said ha- half an inch of rain was happening in some places in minutes. I mean, ha- yeah. you get half an inch of rain in a storm, you think, oh, that was a heavy rainfall. People, places were getting half an inch in minutes. It was crazy. insane. It's crazy. After the uh, after the uh, Portugal Ireland game, I was uh, I was sad. <laughs> I was pretty raw, and uh, so I'm seeing all these pictures flooding onto Twitter um, of you know in Queens and Maspeth and places like that of of just like streets and whole communities underwater. And I heard things were bad at the bottom of my street, and I'm kind of on a hill. So I walked to the bottom towards the Guanas Canal because, of course, that's what you do in a storm. You go down as if you are an intrepid reporter. Um, and I couldn't believe what I saw up to my knees in water. It was incredible. Further down, I could see cars that were completely uh, engulfed and, and surrounded and, and probably taking on water as the Guanas spilled up or over. And just an absolutely incredible. I hope, hope everybody is OK. Um, and yeah, bad is weather talk for now. And with the way things are going, we may be having this conversation again, but hopefully not. Yeah. Andrew, World Cup qualifying. So yeah, the link between the weather talk and the World Cup qualifier is that we lost. So amongst all the, the bad weather and the flooding, uh, we lost power. Um, it came back, but our cable and internet did not. And oh. so there was part of me that was, you know, obviously thinking about, okay, we got to get all this water out and all that. But there was still the other part of me as things were starting to come back, starting to get water out, no cable, no internet. The other part of me was, I 
need to watch this game tonight. This is extremely important in my life, not even just like for this podcast, just like this has been a long time coming. And you and I have spoken at length on numerous occasions uh, after various Gold Cup triumphs, CONCACAF Nations League triumph for the U.S. this past summer. You know, we've talked about those games and how fun they are, how truly memorable they are. But we always kind of have that disclaimer, that qualifier in the background of those triumphs that's that hangs out there that you don't always want to mention after fun wins, but that is a, a reality. World Cup qualifying is just different especially when you're coming off of the cycle that the United States are coming off of a failed World Cup qualifying cycle, which we don't have to rehash, but it is what it is. It's part of the narrative of this World Cup qualifying cycle. It's part of the buildup. This is the new hope, the new generation. Um, And so that all played into what went on tonight, the start of something special, or so we hope. Uh, And so my cable and internet did come back sometime late this afternoon. I could breathe a sigh of relief. I could watch the game. And so now we talk about the game and with all those feelings going into it about you know like i texted you a few people before right before the match started and i was like pumped you know, i'm genuinely up for this yeah. like, not that i'm not for other u.s games but like, i know but this, this is was, different. this is different it just yeah. is for me for many of our listeners i'm sure world cup qualifying now more than ever just feels different uh and so with that being said um, I know they were debating this on the post game show on on CBS Sports Network afterwards. Um, not gonna, I'm not gonna hide or sugarcoat my feelings on it. Yeah, certainly I've been humbled over the past few years. Uh, I don't take any opponent lightly. I certainly don't take any Concacaf opponent uh, at this stage in the in World Cup qualifying on the road lightly. But I am a little bit bleh on that performance tonight. Like I'm not, I know Charlie Davies was kind of really, really, you know, taking this narrative of that's a good point. That's a good point. I know the U S didn't get any points on, uh, in, in, on the road in their last qualifying cycle. I understand that. And I know that was a, a cauldron that they went into tonight. That atmosphere was special that they played that game in tonight, but I don't care. Like I I've come to feel a, a certain type of way about this team and this group of players, even though John Brooks, Christian Pulisic, you know, you can tell me who didn't play tonight. OK, that's fine. But I still see a team out there that like no offense to El Salvador. I think if there was going to be a a game where the U.S. went on the road to take three points, uh, at, incredible atmosphere or not, missing Pulisic or not, this would have been it. And, um, you know, they'll have other opportunities. And I'm sure I would like to think at some point they will beat someone on, on the road. But uh, it would have been nice tonight to get started off on that uh, on that foot. It's not crippling. It's not even bad, necessarily. Um, but for me, I kind of that game ended. and I thought, yeah, yeah, that's the uh, that's the Aguchi on Nehru position. And basically what he said afterwards was exactly what you were saying. Um, I, I, I get it. I, I'm pretty. We might as well be honest with the listeners. There's oftentimes we come on this podcast and we are just fired up to talk about a selection or an incident or why why can't this generation of American uh, soccer players keep the ball or, you know, should Bradley be in the center of the midfield? By the way, you know, how quickly have we moved on from the Michael Bradley era? In just like 18 months, it's over. But tonight, the takes will be tepid. That is just the facts of it. There's not a lot to say about this game tonight, except it's a little disappointing. I think one of the things that were talked up massively, particularly over the two games versus Mexico, the Nations League final and the CONCACAF Gold Cup final was the swagger of the US. And we've got these guys, you know, young guys like McKenney, and they're going to do X or Y and get in your face. And they're an aggressive, bold, confident crew. And tonight we kind of expected that. You know, you say who's missing, like, so what? McKinney was there. Yeah. Tyler Adams was there. Reyna was there. Sargent was there. Right. You know, there was more than enough for us to bring something more than we did. And it was just a little bit disappointing. Now, I will say this. There were factors. And I'm not blaming the pitch. Someone tweeted us right beforehand. Are we just going to blame the, blame the pitch? I'm not going to do that. I will say it is <laughs> when they, whatever 
I'm, I'm assuming CBS is piggybacking on CONCACAF's coverage of these games because the CBS commentary crew weren't at the stadium mm. and the camera angles were increasingly bizarre. They started off like when my kid brother used to flick through the angles on FIFA when we'd be trying to play a game. And we had a behind the goal angle. Then we had a, a behind Tim Ream angle out of nowhere. But sometimes... My favorite angle, JJ, was the the one right before the game started, the back of a bald man's head angle. (laughs) My favorite There was part of me that was... Initially, I was like, dude, sit down. We can't see. But the other part of me was like, this could be really funny if he just stands in front of that camera the whole night. I was almost rooting for it. There was a... Not to digress, but bald heads. There was a bald man at at a League One game, I believe, during lockdown. And the League One games and the EFL games were all uh, transmitted via the website because fans couldn't be there. Mm -hmm. So it was an automated camera that would follow the ball. But unfortunately, it was picking up his bald head (laughs) as the ball. So it was (laughs) the ball would be the under end of the field, but big old baldy's head was keeping it at the wrong end. But I digress. But those different camera angles would betray the field every now and again. From the high up view, it looked, hey, it looked a little bit yellow, a little bit brown, not great. But my God, when the camera actually got close to the field, you saw what it was. Just like dry, patchy, uneven, long in some areas, short in others. That's not conducive to a very passing game. Having said that, pushing that aside, the U.S. didn't have that fluidity those combinations in play. I don't know how many times we gave the ball away when, from what you thought were like good opportunities. And in fact, in general, there was so little passing or, or sustained passing in the game uh, that I think it was, yeah, around the hour mark where three El Salvador players put three passes together and the whole stadium erupts in ole. <laughs> You know, like as if they were dominating possession. Like they were, yeah, they were, they were quick to that. Yeah, very quick to it because it it didn't happen that much in the game. I I do wonder, um, Andrew, when you look at the XG, so the the XG finished up, uh, El Salvador had seven shots, 0.29 XG, which is about right. Um, Some, they had some speculative efforts. They, I mean, like, Turner made a save from a header, but I think it was fairly standard for keeper. There, there were not many moments where I kind of like tensed up. No, there was a couple. There was a couple of maybe in the first half. So the U.S. started well, and then there was a little period where El Salvador grew into it, and they had like two or three corners in a row. Uh, there was one volley that someone blocked, and I thought, oh, that that was traveling. But you're there, right. There was one that they put over the bar. Yeah, um, there was one that almost shaved the top of the net. It was a header, I think. Um. But yeah, there was, it was Rodriguez with the header, but generally speaking, I didn't feel terribly worried about, about anything that was happening in terms of El Salvador's coherent attacking play. There wasn't really any. Our XG for the whole game on 13 shots was 1.68. And you think, oh, okay, away from home, 1.6. That one, that one, uh, or a large part of that would be the, Robinson header from the rain of free kick in swinger early on. Great like ball. Score. It's a great a ball. ball by Reina. Now, again, Reina, I think, struggled a little bit from the pitch uh, uh, with his free kicks because I think the next one, he had three or four free kicks from that inside left-hand channel about 30, 35 yards out. And he ballooned one. Another one got cleared. Another one was a really good pass to Serginho Dest right before halftime who totally miscontrolled it and kind of summed up the game. But... Um, if Robinson scores there, that is a different game. And I think, you know, with the way we started down the right-hand side, uh, Reina got, got slid in early on after three minutes, hit the side net. And then there was the good play down the right from Yedlin on four minutes. Uh, the cross was deflected back onto Sargent and went over the bar. And then the Robinson header on eight minutes. In that 10-minute period or spell, if we had scored there, I think we go on and we win the game. But it didn't happen. El Salvador grew into it. They played the role of spoiler very well. How many times did they inter- intercept something? How many times did they get a foot in? Um, there were times when I thought Brendan Aronson, uh, Reina, and Conrad De La Fuente really looked like CONCACAF World Cup qualifying novices. They genuinely did. It's not that they haven't played against CONCACAF teams before. They, have, they haven't played in that kind of atmosphere. They haven't played 
in a game where free kicks that you will ordinarily get in the Bundesliga or in Ligue 1, you're not getting them here. How many times do we see players barreled over and, and you just thought, hey. I, and Which, by the way, I, I'm okay with. No, you're not getting those. You're not yeah. going to get them. Um, and a couple of times, there was just some bizarre free kicks given where you thought, I, I don't know how that is what it is. But, um, yeah, it was disjointed. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot of things happened. Um, if you were worried defensively, you were probably looking at that gap between Tim Ream and Serginho Dest. There was a couple of times where El Salvador ballooned diagonals in, in, into that gap and tried to get people in. But, yeah, not a lot from either team. Yeah. Uh, just, just meh. Yeah, I guess, you know, what kind of made it that way is you you go into some of these road qualifiers knowing that this this is going to be potentially how it goes, you know, not a ton of opportunities. Um, but I don't know, I guess I had kind of hoped that the U.S. Uh, had a group of players where they didn't, that, they didn't that need is... a ton, where they could maybe like be just ruthless enough to get a few opportunities. Like, you know, I, I don't want to, I know Miles Robinson just scored the winner against Mexico. Um, and it just so happened that the first chance of the night fell to him. Um, but like, so I, I don't want to be reliant on no, my goal I, scoring from my center back, but like he, he, he should score there. there but uh, there was a couple of times where you thought, right, we're getting into our rhythm. There was um, on 47 minutes right after halftime where did you, did you ever notice with some teams, Andrew, they've just gone in at halftime and they've probably got a real G up, a real bollocking from the, from the manager, the coach, who reemphasizes what they're supposed to be doing. And I felt for the first maybe 10 minutes of the second half, that happened. Mm-hmm. So it was down the right-hand side of the US, left-hand side of the El Salvadorian defense, and uh, Bearhalter's on the edge of his technical area. And he encourages DeAndre Yedlin to step up, get closer and press. The ball's turned over, breaks into midfield, and Sargent runs at the defense, and he slips in Conrad De La Fuente, who hesitates and loses the ball. And it was that kind of little moment where you thought, this is where we're off. We're just that. We're just not connecting right. There was another chance where, on 31 minutes in the first half, Reina is nearly in on goal, but the grass holds the ball up behind him, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the chance dissipates. And, and and one more time, there was 64 minutes. Reina had a lovely run through, drove at the defense, and he slips in, Aronson, and there's just too much pace on the ball, and the keeper collects. And that was the disappointing thing for me. Off the top of my head, I can remember all those moments, right? Mm-hmm. There just wasn't. Was there time, Andrew, at all, where we pinned them in for like 10, 15 no, minutes? Not really. No. And, and, and we- had there been, I think we would have scored. I think so too, but it didn't happen. And I think that'll be the disappointing thing for uh, Triple G at the end of this one. Uh, Paul Carr had an interesting tweet as he, as he really, he really comes into his own Paul Carr with the stats uh, during these games. Uh, the two outside backs had the most first half touches for the U.S. men's national team. Des with 45 and Yedlin with 43. And yet it didn't feel like they we had anything. a really meaningful role. No, no. Uh, I think Dest a couple of times. Well, he took the one kind of meek shot from about, you know, 25 cut yards out. A, yeah, cut in on the right. And the, uh, and like board, it, I say a meek shot. It was early in the game, and I was glad that he did it. I was kind of hoping, okay, like maybe we're going to see an aggressive Serginho Dest looking to create opportunity offensively. And I don't know. just wasn't – never really materialized. No. It was sort a, of the, the story. Like if I guess – I guess if I had to like label this with a title, you know, if, the, if tonight's game was a book, I would just say title it never really materialized. Like <laughs> that was just sort of it. Like oh my god, kind of that could be felt. your that could be your um, lifetime TV movie of the week. That that would be the story of your life. Never really materialized. The Andrew yeah. Gundling story. Right, lots St- of promise, but lots of promise. Uh, you know what? This guy, this guy has talent. He could be going somewhere. No, he's not. He's going nowhere. Yeah. Never really materialized. <laughs> and now we got our name for a podcast. We don't have to spend 10 minutes at the end of it to figuring it out. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. The substitutions, uh, there was some annoyance that uh, PFOC came in for, for Sergeant and that it wasn't um, the boy Peppy, the pep in the step. 
from uh, uh, FC Dallas. I'm not surprised with that. I don't. Who, think... who was annoyed? What you're saying? US oh, soccer. A few people online, uh, online US USMNT soccer was a little. I, I get what they mean. He's you know play the hot hand. He's the he's the emerging kid. But I mean, it would be great for PFOC, who's in pretty decent form and good form with the national team, and yeah. has been around the camp. That was not a thought that I had. No, no, I didn't. I didn't really. I wouldn't criticize that. Yeah. Uh, Dest uh, Anthony Robinson came in did okay Kellen Acosta I suppose Kellen Acosta's header mm-hmm. that was a chance yeah that, that was something that maybe could have changed the, I mean it forced El Salvador's best save of the night definitely did it was good cross from McKinney yeah um, also how many times did you see shanked crosses as well in this game from both sides you yeah saw it, you saw it a lot warm weather warm ball uh it, 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 it's an actual thing, guys. A dry field and a warm ball. It's an actual thing. I'm not making this up. I, lo- I love your... You yeah, just have JJ's things. Yeah, yeah. And like we can... Okay, like if people ever turn this podcast into a drinking game. Right. Like they would... They'd already right now be at least buzzed because you're hitting your things tonight. <laughs> I'm hitting my marks. It is true. It's an absolute true thing. Remember I remember my great analysis of the the thunderbolt goal against us that night in October 2017 in Trinidad in Tobago. Who was it hit that strike? Alvin for? Jones, was it? Alvin Jones, and it's absolutely buried. And my analysis of it was that the longer grass teed it up perfectly for that kind of a strike. And this is from a guy who who would play in the field beside our house when it was mown, you know, a, a grass field. and the, But the grass would slowly get longer as the summer went on. So you had to deal with different levels of grass. And, and that was it tonight as well. You could, um, again, not making excuses because El Salvador, they shanked enough uh, of their own crosses themselves. But um, a difficult night for, um, for fluid liquid football. Um, I wonder, I don't want to become repetitive, but I guess we got to mention this. Uh, Josh Sargent, we just we continue to Charlie Davies. You hear him in the in the build up before the game. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't. Well, what he said about Sargent was, this is his last chance to be starting. Well, I heard Davies afterwards say that he would go to PFOC next game, which um, I disagree with. I, I guess with Sargent, it's one of those things where I don't know. Again, it's kind of like the story of his time with the U.S. men's national team where I, I don't I don't look at any of these games and say he was bad tonight. But eventually you just kind of wish that your your striker would give you a game where he he kind of just wins it for you with a, a, a great moment of attacking play that uh, you kind of sometimes just rely like in a game like this. You're mucking it up with both sides. You know, you just wish sometimes you had a ruthless striker who and he again, he's good. Like it's not it would be disingenuous for me to say Sargent was poor, but like we're still all left waiting for that game that he just kind of takes it and wins it for you. Um, I don't know that that means I would move away from him, but it also kind of means that like. Well, all right. You sort of had your chance. We we needed a goal tonight. You're our striker. If you didn't give it to us, if PFOC is starting the next one, okay, um, it wouldn't be something that I would criticize Bearhalter for. No, put it that I'm way. not. I'm not about. I'm not uh, for. Uh, you know, I'm not against switching it up, turning it around, giving someone, you know, someone else a chance. I I see a lot in Sergeant Andrew, but you can't say he was well served tonight. You're you right. Know? You're right. Uh, now, were there times when the ball went into him? You're like, you got you got to hold it up better. Yeah, definitely. But there were other times tonight, like Dest. I think Dest may have picked up a knock uh, in the second half with just a terrible first touch. You know, the ball runs away from him. Everyone was a little bit off. And I'm not sure that this is the, uh, this is the one to, to judge Sargent on. Although, I, I do understand what you're saying. If you have another option, no harm in looking at it. Uh, Ryan O'Hanlon has a really good uh, tweet here. Um, <laughs> uh, this is... Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just my sense of humor. I find it funny. Uh, this is in quote marks. But honey, you have to understand. I yell to my wife as she packs her last suitcase into the car and pulls out of the driveway. Any point is a good point on the road in CONCACAF. Uh, she, she wasn't having that. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, what, what this point, like it's kind of one of those things. I remember talking about this a lot at the last World Cup qualifying cycle when the U.S. were losing repeatedly. Uh, away from home um, 
that like these are the games where I don't think like I don't think you lose out on qualifying by not winning these games, but I think what they do is like a win in El Salvador. It's sort of a luxury win in that, okay, A, it it certainly pushes you closer to qualification, getting three points away from home, but it also kind of allows you a slip up somewhere along the way. And remember mm-hmm. last time around, because the U.S. didn't accumulate any points on the road, it gave but, them no room for error at home, and they wound up needing... Well, they did accumulate. They got, they got draws. They got no wins. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, Incidentally... So- uh, uh, not to cut across you though, but uh, our last World Cup qualifier win on the road at any at any point was against Sep- uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadine Islands, September 2nd, 2016, a 6-0 win. Like you want to get that off your back, don't you? Can you name the scorers, by the way? Any of the scorers? Uh, Pulisic? Correct. Um, he got two 71 minutes and 90 plus two. Let's see. I imagine there were probably some weird ones. Uh, it was like, it was like Bobby Wood. Yep. Boom. Okay. Um, these, uh, fallen comrades, we'll call them the, the other goal scorers. Yeah. Matt, uh, Matt Beasler. Oh, wow. Wouldn't uh, have gotten that. Jose Altador. Yeah. I would have gotten there eventually. And Sasha Kleschen. Oh yeah. Yeah. So there we go. It's amazing lo- how much things change in a few years. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. It really is. But I, I really want to see a W on the road, and and I of course I, I take into account all the the caveats about Concacaf and 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 how tough it is to play away. By the way, you know some of the things you see at these stadiums. Like first of all, I've never heard an anthem roared quite like the El Salvador. Oh my Salvador. god, it, it, it caused distortion in the audio. Yeah. The parabolic- I was like, it caught me off guard. I was like, whoa. Yeah. They're, oh. they're not just singing the anthem. The fans are screaming the anthem. Like, yeah, yeah that was a lot. That was crazy to me. Um, and all of them wearing blue, it, it appeared in the stand. Um, and then to notice how close the stands are to the field. Uh, Gio Reyna is trying to take a corner in the second half. He has to get the right squad to hold up their, um, their shields um, so he doesn't get pelted by God knows what. That's nice. That's lovely. Um, but about that, while I, we're talking about the anthems, uh, oh. I wonder if you do this too. You strike me as somebody that would also do this. Uh, in games like this, where I, I, especially in games like this, a young US team, uh, a number of players who, while exposed to tough conditions, you know, guys who play in Europe, been in tough atmospheres. So the World Cup qualifying in, in Central America can be different. Um, so I, during the national anthem, I love studying each face and trying to admittedly totally unfairly. I study each face to try to think, okay, he's up for it. He's up for it. He's terrified. He's up for it. He's scared for his life. He's up. I, I, I had a couple tonight that I thought, Hmm, just, and again, this is so unfair, but you're going to do it anyway, but I'm going to say anyway, who, which faces I thought looked uh, afraid, quite frankly, I'm not saying they were, um, I thought that uh, I hate to say this because I, I know he wasn't afraid. Miles Robinson had a face when they panned to him during the anthem where I thought, oh, he looks scared. Um, Miles Robinson. I mean, the camera the- and, and Brendan Aronson, when they went to his face, I was like, has he aged backwards? Yeah. Like he looks even younger. What I found funny was uh, Serginio Dest. There was a long delay. They were all lined up. And, and obviously the tape that they played uh, the Star Spangled Banner from, they couldn't find or the CD, whatever. Yeah, there was a try- weird pause. There was a weird pause. And Dest is looking, you know, that dead eyed look that he has. And he realizes, oh, this is going on too long. And he laughs and he just dips his head like a like a like an altar boy <laughs> whose friend has let one rip. <laughs> And he just he says, I can't be seen in this solemn moment to be laughing at this fart. And he just dips his head. Yeah. Um, and Matt Turner what a, belted it out. Yeah, he sounded like, like Will Ferrell at the end of Step Brothers. A little bit high pitch. Songbird of our generation. A little bit high pitch, but the 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 passion was there. Would you were, are you a singer like during a national anthem? Would you be somebody singing the national anthem or would you be stone faced and focused? Um, uh, most of the time I'll sing it. 
If it's I, ironic, I'd be in, if I'd I'm be in the, between. If I'm at the game and it's, uh, I will sing the Irish national anthem or the US national anthem. I will stand up and I okay. will sing it 100%. If I'm not, I will, you know, stand up in my living room, but not sing. I, I would be a player who would kind of be, I, I would mouth the words, which I think a bunch of them do. Yeah, that, that's what I would do. You're a uh, and by the way, I, I should say to Miles Robinson that um, I can speak from my own experience in saying that what I just did to him is totally unfair because I remember when I was in 10th grade. I was on the JV basketball team at my school. And before our first game, there was a player. We were in the locker room and there was a player on the team who was a year older, who had, you know, who was really good. And he kind of did the same thing where like the coach left the room. It was just the players in the room. And he sort of went around. And was like, okay, who looks scared in here? And he went straight to me. <laughs> and he said, me, me first. He's like, oh, okay. Gunling looks scared. And I remember th- like picking on the weak, but like genuinely, <laughs> I would tell you, obviously I would tell you now if I was scared that day, I swear to you, I wasn't, it's just my face, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, first of all, I was, I didn't even really play much. So like, what was there for even, me to even be afraid of? Like, well, I we, what was I going to do? Well, I discovered at the weekend why you didn't play much. And what it wasn't wasn't for a lack of talent. Wasn't oh, that. Yeah. You were a bit of a, how shall we put it? Bad teammate. Bad teammate. If you Maybe were one day, uh, we'll, well, one day we can get into this. Not yeah, on the night of not, the first. Not tonight. Not tonight. But put it. Put but it what I'm way. saying is I, I I should I should know for myself that it's not fair. But I just it's something I do. I just I study faces. But this game did not give us a ton to analyze. So we're going to analyze faces. Um, the, the other thing was the 20 foot high fences. That is a throwback. That is something that us uh, who watch um, English soccer and the European game, you know, we've been kind of sanitized against the what used to be commonplace. These huge riot fences, or I don't even know what you call them. Um, around the stadium and they were quite close to the pitch as well but tell you um, what they were they were taking notes in nice (laughs) Uh, i don't know um i don't think we'll ever see them back in europe although i read a report the other day that their safe standing may be coming back i say coming back it was never in it may be introduced in some stadia um in england so we'll have to see how that goes but um yeah back to the game so just just one of those andrew that will can I bring, Probably can forget. I bring this? I have one other point that I wanted to raise to you okay. tonight. Um, I don't know that I really think this, but we host the soccer podcast and the U S just played. And it's kind of our job to raise questions when results aren't quite up to what we think. Um, I, when the, I have no, I, again, I have no complaints with the starting 11. Um, but the only thing when, when I saw it, I kind of thought like, this is a different team. Like this team has not played together. Um, and, and I just kind of thought like having watched the game, you talked about it being disjointed. Um, there could be a number of reasons for that, but again, it kind of hammered home the idea that I mentioned back during the gold cup when I was like, I get why we're not playing our first team. I totally understand it. It's forces beyond our control even, but like, that's kind of why it would have been nice to have done it. Like if that if we had a team tonight, granted, Pulisic aside, you know, Stefan aside, whatever, like those are reasons beyond anyone's control. But if, if we had a team tonight that was like just coming off of having played in a tournament together only a month ago, um, I wonder if maybe you would have gotten a more cohesive performance rather than a team that just like, I don't know, I felt like that was an 11 that I just haven't seen. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true as well. Um, I think maybe if we had maybe if we had a bit more injection or control of the ball, you know, when our center backs got it, step into the midfield, start picking out passes. But again, that was difficult. You have to give El Salvador credit as well. Before you start zapping, we're, you know, we're, we're falling into the, the old trap of, Oh, look, we were this or we were that, but they stood up. They made things really difficult on their home patch. They closed down space. They weren't particularly good on the ball themselves, but, how many times did they make interceptions? How many times did they win second balls? Mm. I, I do think that if you have, there was a lot of praise going around for, you know, Tyler Adams and, and Weston McKinney. And I get it, but, you know, we've been waiting for those two to play in the midfield for a long time. And tonight was just a little bit blah. I, I it was a few times when I thought, 
our midfield for for the amount of talk that's done about it should impose itself a bit more on the game. But it, these are, I don't know. I, I just came away from the game thinking we didn't play well. Um, they put it up to us. It's not a disaster. It's almost like there is, it's almost like I'm just happy. There's a point on the road and World Cup qualifying has started. This whole cycle has started. I'm nearly just relieved that it's the ball is rolling. So we're here. We're finally here. Finally um, here. But this, um, this tweet from Kobe Jones, JJ. Okay. Um, which I found interesting. He writes, uh, it's simple. You can say everything, this or that. It's El Salvador. The U.S. needed to win. You take the tie, but you're disappointed. You can't be happy. If you are, something's wrong. Next. Okay. Let's also remember that the, the qualifying system now is incredibly kind. You know, we this is... That, in, we thought that uh, in 2017. Too. We did think that in 2017, but we... I mean, the writing was on the wall. We just didn't want to read what was daubed on the wall, scrolled in massive lettering that we weren't good enough. Um, Jeff Carlisle is tweeting, Bearhalter called the match a great learning experience for the group, but also we need to get better. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this was... Fair. Fair. And he gets, he gets the chance to get better very, very soon. So the Canada game... So I was trying to do some, you know, thinking before the game in terms of what kind of a haul we want out of these three games. And nine points was going to be massive. That's off the table now. Um, I guess a win against Canada and then a win against Honduras and we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. Yeah. You mean if this ends with... uh... Seven points? Seven points, I think, would be good, right? Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, that would mean a win on the road, which, like you said, hasn't happened since against who, JJ? St. Vincent and the Grenadines? St. Vincent and the Grenadine Islands. All right. Uh, so. A win on the road in World Cup qualifying, right. I should say. Um, Henry Bushnell had uh, had this tweet also. He said, he said, and I kind of agree with this. He says, basically, every take about that USMNT game is a bad take. No, it's not a good point. It's a fine one. No, the performance wasn't awful. No, Sunday isn't a must win. Everything that was true two hours ago is true now. They'll be fine. All right. And I would tend to agree with that too. Told you these takes are so moderate now. These are it's the it's the moderate take podcast. Um you called them what? Tepid takes? Tepid takes. I I like that. In an era of of scorching hot takes, I think there's room for tepid takes. Tepid uh lukewarm, lukewarm takes. Yeah. Um, so there you go. I don't have too much else on this game. Looking ahead to Canada, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm certainly hopeful. I, you you just know what this means to Christian Pulisic. Um, you know, you saw it that night uh, when the U.S. lost to Trinidad. You saw it on his face, and you know that this is a moment he has been waiting for. You know what being on this team means. You saw it after even you know when it it was not lost on me or a lot of people. I think that after Chelsea won the Champions League final, Christian Pulisic had a, a U.S. soccer shirt on. Um, you know, th- we know what this means to him, and I'm sure it hurt him to not be playing tonight. Um, so I really hope for the team, for him, that we see him against Canada at home. I think that would uh, that would be great. He's he's that guy. Like what I was talking about with Josh Sargent before, you know, we I wish there would be a game that Sargent would kind of just take the reins and, and do something offensively when we weren't doing a lot. Pulisic is that guy. Like We've seen it. He does that. Um, and so it'll, it will be fun to watch him in a World Cup qualifier. And I think it would mean, like I said, it would mean a lot for him. So I hope that happens. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we move. We move indeed. Uh, speaking of moving, the only winner in this draft of games were the Mexicans who managed to beat Jamaica 2-1. Made heavy weather of it. And Jamaicans were quite unlucky. Uh, Panama drew with Costa Rica and Canada uh, came back from a 1-0, trailing 1-0 to tie 1-1 with Honduras. So, yeah, it's all teed up for Sunday, my friend. Should be fun. Should be fun. Um, any other results? I mean, look, before we get out, uh, we, we do have to mention, you, you kind of touched on it at the start, that you went on one of the most... Um, soulful walks like i know you always do your your sad walks after liverpool losses the george michael bluth head down sad music playing walk around brooklyn i imagine this one was maybe the worst that you had i think 
it's a long time since I felt that way about a, a Republic of Ireland uh, performance and the defeat in the end. 2-1 to Portugal. Ronaldo becomes the uh, highest goal scorer in the history of uh, international soccer, beating Ali Dai of Iran. Um, but yeah, it was... I. It's still raw now, Andrew. It was it was unbelievable. Um, Ireland led. Um, you know, we had our 19-year-old goalkeeper from from League One Portsmouth, albeit on loan from Man City, save a penalty from Cristiano Ronaldo. We had some unbelievable performances. Seamus Coleman, uh, John Egan, Shane Duffy, um, and even we we lost Darrow Shea to a you know a horrific or what looked like a really bad injury. Um, I still don't have an update on that. And uh, Oma Babadele from Norwich comes on, another teenager, and he puts in a magnificent performance and still right hanging on there, 1-0. And you think we're going to do this. And up pops Ronaldo, equalizes, and you're like, all right, okay. A point is still a great result. And 90 plus 6. Five minutes added on, 30 seconds left on by the referee who, um, in fairness, that 30 seconds was probably for a VAR check on a, on a penalty that was never, it was, there was no need for a VAR check, but whatever, the time was there. And Ronaldo scores probably one of the best headers you're ever going to see. It was unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. The power that he's able to generate. Oh, but to contort his neck for this header, he had to go backwards. Yeah. Yeah, and snap it back and it flies past uh, Bazunu and it's 2-1 and you're, you're, you're just heart is ripped out. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't like it was a backs against the wall effort. Like I got upset about Ronaldo in the lead up to, I mean, Portugal, Portugal's penalty that was saved by Bazunu was a dodgy penalty, but OK, a penalty. And I got upset about Ronaldo who, who raised his hands to, uh, to Darrow Shea and um, you know, there was no sanction for it. There was no review, no yellow card. Okay, fine. But really what I should have been upset about was, you know, the chances that Ireland created, which were pretty good, probably needed some, a little camera head. But the penalty opportunity, that the non-call, when Paulinha just flattens Aaron Connolly in the box. Like, it's a stonewall penalty. It's unbelievable. And VAR is there, unlike in CONCACAF, by the way. No VAR, no goal line, goal line technology. Um, CBS Sports' Christina Uncle tweeted us tonight to tell us that. What are they doing, by the way? I oh. was going to bring it up, but I wasn't sure if we well, were maybe it go makes into... no, It makes no difference if you're going to leave, you know, if you're, if you're not going to adjudicate on, on an obvious blown call and an obvious error by the referee not to call a penalty for that. And we don't get that. And, um, and that's the thing now that really annoys me. I, I did a stupid thing. I watched the game back today. Oh my God. What do you, you Yeah. You hate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but look, um, <laughs> why did you do that? I don't know. I don't know. It was well, like, I wanted to wallow in the good parts and also wallow in the sadness. It was, it was a double wallow um, because it was, it was a brilliant performance. It was even in defeat. It's, it's the standout performance of Stephen Kenny's reign so far. And, and Andrew, we, you know, we passed the ball, we counterattacked well. You know, we played, we played good football. There was, you know, a cohesive plan to what we were doing. And it was a million times better than the last, few, the last year of Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane's reign. But um, this is a great line from, from Gavin Cooney of the 42.ie. Ireland's performance was brimming with intensity, heart, thought and promise. But ultimately, they are pointless after three games and are left licking raw wounds. Trying to deny Ronaldo is like trying to dodge the rain. It was so true. Uh, you know, he did nothing in the game. It, it, because it was his big night, there was, that's all anybody was talking about. It was the night he was going to break the record. And he almost played like that. He, like, he tried to roll back the years. You know, it was a couple of times in the first half where he tried to do stepovers and go past Irish players, which in the past he would have burned them. But he ended up just running into them. Like just, he was, he was taking shots from all angles, Andrew, and either ballooning them over the bar or whacking them into a, a you know, a, a, a wall of Irish players. Like he was, he's really bad, but he's also still, 
a different Ronaldo. He's the Ronaldo that scored, what, 50-something goals since he turned 30. 50-something international goals. Like. The new Ronaldo is still deadly, but mm. you got to have him in place in the middle of the box. And here's something for United fans to think about. Uh, again, from Gavin Cooney, an illustrative stat from last night's game. Portugal attempted 52 crosses mm. and 38 in the second half alone. The Netherlands had averaged the highest number of attempted crosses per game across the qualifying campaign to date, and that was 30. So they're like 22 less than Portugal. So you can see what Portugal are doing. Like, like everything is aimed towards the noggin of, of Cristiano Ronaldo. And again, it, those were two brilliant headers. The second one, if people get, people get a chance to watch it, it was just it was a magnificent header and a great goal. But it's, it's interesting for United fans. Um, you might be seeing a heck of a lot more crosses in the coming weeks and months uh, with this guy. But um, I don't know what to say. Just, just uh, devastating. The one thing that really irked me was, so Ronaldo scores the winner, and it's a magnificent goal. He's got his record. He whips his shirt off to, to show that amazing upper body and torso, does his celebration. And the referee is just like smiling and beaming and just overjoyed and almost overwhelmed as he gives him the yellow card. Like it's this wonderful moment for the referee. Just so annoying, like so annoying, you know. Ah. I know you I, were worried about it. I, I should let you know now that uh, Ronaldo is getting number seven at Manchester United. Yeah. Some obviously Cavani had to, to give it up, you know, but there we go. The brand must continue to be it's the brand. Andrew. It's important. Yeah. Um, Very important. So I don't know what, what else to say about Ireland, except a lot of people took joy in the fact that uh, a Ronaldo scored against us and B I was upset. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Well, there you go. Oh, so you, you went on, you did the work. The worst thing you could do, you went on Twitter afterwards. Oh, never checked. do, never doing it again. Never yeah. doing it again. People just want to, just want to wind you up, and they they wouldn't like if they were there with you. They'd never, they'd never do it. But Twitter allows them, you know, to be to be the hard men, to be tough, you know. Oh, but I was that one was raw. That one was just no, it was brutal. So uh, it's a horrifying it, loss. It, it horrifying. was horrifying. And now we got to pick it up. We got Azerbaijan, and then we got Serbia at home. So there's no there's no time in the, to wallow. Uh, I I can wallow for a little bit, but you have to pick yourself up. Um, so I, I found a quote that was knocking around today, which is supposed to be from the great Irish poet from Sligo, William Butler Yeats. But I don't think he ever said it, and I can certainly not find any proof that he did. But it's always attributed to him. Uh, he said, "Being Irish, he had an abiding sense of tragedy, which sustained him through temporary periods of joy." So. <laughs> That pretty much sums up the game. The tragedy was on the way. It was in the mail. We were just waiting for it, but there was so much joy in that game, Andrew. Like maybe we're maybe Ireland are moving in the right direction. And last night is just like a nice little footnote in what will become something better. But um, I've never I've never felt so proud and so devastated uh, within ninety minutes of a football game. I get that. I get that. I remember uh, maybe like the USA Germany. Um quarterfinal in the 2002 world cup i kind of remember feeling that way uh, okay. sadness but also proud that kind of thing and, and and also a game that you guys should have won as well so the handball nah. Nah. uh that's about all i got my friend we'll be back of course as these world cup qualifiers continue in some form or another i have a dilemma what uh, for, what for, for the next what you one mean some form or another we're going to be gas liquid <laughs> <laughs> yes, all of those things. You never quite know what form we take. Um, I, I guess I should mean at some time or another, because I, I have uh, the dilemma of uh, it's a fun dilemma. I'll be at a wedding for their next World Cup qualifier um, this weekend. So you're going to you're going to watch it on your phone. Are you going to be able to nip? No, out? no. I'm, yeah, I'm going to leave the wedding. Oh, bye. I'm just going to Amanda. Don't don't mind the next two hours when I'm not here. You can't know. And also, it's a wedding I'm excited about. It's going to be a very fun one. I put United. I was the last wedding wedding I was at in Ireland with my girlfriend, Darcy. And she's going to I hope she won't care or she, she won't mind that. I forget who the wedding was for. But I have. Wow. Yeah. And uh, United were playing Tottenham. And during the speeches, I had it on my phone. I got the uh, the 
the venue Wi-Fi. I'm just watching United and Tottenham on my phone. That's not how I want to watch this one, a World Cup qualifier. You know me. I'll go into DVR mode. Oh, yeah, that's I don't, true. I don't want to. It's not my preferred way of watching, but I'll do it. Uh, and so, yeah, sorry, everyone, but you'll have to wait for when I watch it. And then maybe probably the next morning, my guess is we'll have something out for you on Labor Day. That's coming perfect. Up. Yeah, absolutely perfect. All right, buddy. Let's go to let's go to bed. Huh? What do you say? Yeah. Before we go, um, Doug McIntyre asked whether John Brooks was held out for load management, meaning just managing his minutes. Not going to play all three. Yeah. Berhalter says simply, that's it. So if you were wondering, that's what's going on there. And I'm sure there'll be ple- we, we, we knew that. Like we, we knew coming in that these guys are not going to play. Squad rotation was going to be important. That's one of the reasons the Gold Cup was important. It was going to identify new talent that could play. Miles Robinson went right in clean sheet tonight. Um, so, um, yeah, we, we all knew that we weren't going to see the same starting 11 in three games. That's just uh, not reality. Um, overall, it wasn't... Sorry, it turned into too hectic of a game and we didn't manage it well enough. Overall, wasn't happy with the control of the game. Greg Berhalter. Fair enough, Greg. Fair yeah. enough. Last note from me, Tyler Adams wanted to congratulate him as well. 22 years and 200 days, JJ. He becomes the youngest player to captain the U.S. men in a World Cup qualifier during the modern era. Yeah. And uh, born leader. Yeah, no, he's very, he, he's, he's very good. Uh, I'm sure there's more to come from that midfield uh, with him and McKenney. And um, yeah, they, they battled hard, hard tonight. And, you know, it was difficult. Yeah, so there you go. A point is what it is. Not the end of the world. Not a reason to triumph and celebrate. Just OK. On to the next one. Uh, we'll be back, of course, talking about the next one. U.S. and Canada coming up on Sunday. Good stuff, my friend. Hey, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this. It wasn't the win that I was hoping for or wanted, but I still love talking about U.S. World Cup qualifying. It is fun. It's different. It's special. Ah, It's good to be back. To you, my friend, I say... Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care, man. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 